up, everybody, and welcome to the Healthy is Hot podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Wild, TV host by day, Healthy is Hot founder by night, and health and life coach in between. Also, I'm a big fan of sweatpants and a nice glass of red wine. And from hashtag to movement, we here at Healthy's Hop believing that loving all sides of you is what is healthy. And let's be real, healthy is hot. In this podcast, we invite you to join us as we have raw, real conversations with badass individuals who are living passionate lives, thriving to make their dreams come true and diving deep into how they got to where they are. And the best part, how health is a key component of all of it. From the highs to the lows, we get into it. From fitness to mental health to aspirational careers, get ready to be inspired. Also, just a heads up, we don't really hold back, so there might be swearing, there's definitely going to be some laughing, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed here, you can take something away from these conversations to live your best life, to live your healthiest hot life. Who here poops? You, me, everyone, we all do it, and yet... It's kind of this taboo subject that we don't really talk about. We sometimes feel embarrassed by or we feel shame around it. Well, guess what? Today we are breaking the poo taboo thanks to the founder of the Gut Gazette, Megan. I am thrilled with this chat because you all know I like to talk about taboo subjects and today is literally all about that. So she started the Gut Gazette back in 2009 after being diagnosed with Crohn's disease and IBS and she created this place, this community to connect with others who were going through similar experiences. And so she is out there creating conversation, creating safe spaces about something that a lot of people still feel a little icky talking about, even though we all poop, right? So today, listen up, join this chat, and help us continue to break the poo taboo. Oh, we also talk about bathroom anxiety, which is a very real thing, the importance of owning your voice, and also providing support to those around you who might be struggling with various health issues. Okay, enough about me. Time to get to the podcast. Thanks. And first off, just thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm a big fan of Healthy is Hot, and it's a pleasure to be here today. Um, So I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease back in 2009. I can't believe how long ago that is now. And before I got my diagnosis, it it was a couple years that it took to get my diagnosis. I was struggling with a lot of digestive issues. This was like in grade 10, 11, 12. So not the best time. I mean, there's never a good time to be having uh, issues with your gut and having to go to the bathroom multiple times a day. But in high school, it was really tough. And uh, first year university. And then my, I guess it was the second semester of first year that I finally got a diagnosis. And it was just such a weight off my shoulders. Um, Got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I had no idea what it was. We don't have it in our family Um, my parents didn't really know much about it and we were kind of just given the diagnosis and then told by my then gastroenterologist who I'm no longer with, (laughs) I'm with, I'm with a different doctor. He basically was like, if you have any issues, um, you can just Google what it means. Uh, and, and then if you have anything that's like really intense, you can come back to me. But it was just, it was he didn't really give me much information about my diagnosis and yeah, it was just very, 
like here it is here's a piece of paper with the word Crohn's disease on it go figure it out geez Louise Um, and like this is when you're in high school and in university like you've got so many other things you're thinking about at that age like what are you gonna do that weekend what are your friends up to what are you gonna study and major in what exams like you know what you already have so much kind of to think about at that age there's so much happening and then all of a sudden you get plopped this diagnosis and it sounds like not very much support either from your doctor. Yeah, exactly. There was no support on that end. And that was the frustrating part, but I think that it led me to creating the gut gazette. So once I got the diagnosis, I went to Google, I found another blogger, uh, actually a couple other bloggers from Toronto who were blogging about their Crohn's disease. And I mean, like 11 years ago, blogging was so new And the only way that you could really interact with another blogger was through comments. There was an Instagram and Facebook was very fresh as well. Uh, And I didn't want to be appeared as anonymous when I commented. I wanted to be able to like be Megan and interact with them. So I thought I need to start a blog. And I remember I was at my family's cottage and I was just thinking like, what would a good name be? And I think that I figured out the Gut Gazette in like 20 minutes or something because I thought it would just be a platform for myself to kind of document my new diagnosis and journey. And then I can use it to interact with other people who had Crohn's. So that's kind of how the Gut Gazette started. And then it has blossomed over 11 years. And I've connected with so many individuals who also have Crohn's and IBS. And it's it's just been a really great voice for me. And I've become so involved in the digestive health community. Wow. What was it like for you way back when, when you did find those couple of bloggers in Toronto who had similar diagnosis to you? What was that like when you finally were able to feel maybe a little bit less alone and also like, Hey, there's other people out here with this and like, they're living a pretty cool life. So maybe I got this. Yeah. It felt comforting because For two and a half years, I was experiencing the symptoms, but I was always told that it was in my head. It was anxiety uh, or it was just IBS. And, And then knowing that, I mean, knowing that I finally had a diagnosis, but then connecting with other women who were going through the exact same symptoms, I did feel less alone because I thought I was the only one. Like I didn't talk about it in high school at all. It was, it was, they were the worst years of my life (laughs) because I would have to go to the bathroom like 10 to 12 times a day. And it was usually in the morning and like, nobody likes to put up their hand and ask to go to the bathroom, let alone like 10 times. Right. So it was just, it was such a stressful time in my life. And then being able to connect with someone else who was like, yeah, I also have diarrhea all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay. Awesome. (laughs) I'm not the only one. So it was just, it was a really good launch pad into being able to be more open about my gut issues. Yeah. And also just really helping to reduce the stigma around Mm -hmm. gut health in general, but especially for someone who has a diagnosis and who is struggling, like my goodness, I am just imagining being in high school and having to go through what you went through 10 to 12 times, mostly in the morning in high school, having to put your hand up every time. And like, 
for everyone listening, we all know what it's like when you got to go, you got to go. Oh, and yeah. it's like a full body, like there's chills, you might be sweating. And then you imagine being in a classroom setting surrounded by like your peers and high school's already tough and then needing, oh my, my, my heart goes out to you and you didn't have anyone to talk to about this. Yeah, it was very isolating and and totally the chills and sweats like, oh, it was so bad. And then you go into a bathroom where mm. there's girls who are on their um what what was it called when you like didn't have a class your spare <laughs> and they're just hanging out in there and they're just hanging out in the bathroom and I'm like oh my god I really have to go to the bathroom and I don't want anybody in here right like it's just it was awful and it was very similar in first year too like I'm in residence you share a bathroom I would get up at six in the morning at university just so that I could like get everything out of my system I would eat mm. breakfast really early go to the bathroom as many times as I had to. And then I would have my lecture. Like I never had morning lectures because that's when I had my worst symptoms. Mm. And so it was, I really, my life revolved around my, my Crohn's at the time. And it's very different now. I don't, I don't have to live like that anymore, which is good. Yes. There, there is hope. Um, Hearing Mm -hmm. this brings back someone very, very near and dear to me during kind of similar time period in university Um, was diagnosed with Crohn's and it wasn't um, very managed at the beginning just because, you know, this person was kind of figuring it out and getting all kinds of medications and whatever. And I remember having such empathy towards him because everything he ate, everything he did that day, all of our social plans that evening, the weekend plans going away revolved around those symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget if you are someone who's fortunate enough to have awesome gut health, like you don't really think about how much it can interfere with your day-to-day life. Like I would witness this person, like just not eat. Cause it was like, well, we're going to go out. Like it's either like I eat and I stay home and maybe I get a little bit sick or like I skip And then we go and have a nice night out. Like it was one or the other. And you hope that eventually it gets managed and you find other ways to kind of cope. But I remember seeing that firsthand and really feeling and recognizing like the impact that something like gut health can have on someone's quality of life. And then you take into account the nutrient absorption that probably isn't happening because everything is just coming out so quickly and then oh, yeah. that affects energy levels and cognitive function and ability to focus and mood. And it's really just all intertwined. But, but thankfully, you're in a better position. So hopefully anyone who was struggling or who's listening to this and is like, whoa, that's me. Like maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So before we kind of get into that, what is Crohn's and what is IBS? Like, because I, I don't even think I really know the, the difference, but I think it'd be kind of cool to get your perspective um, as someone who's been diagnosed with both. Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, they sound so similar, right? IBD and IBS. So IBD is inflammatory bowel disease, and it's um, described as a disease that affects your gums to your bum because it affects the whole... <laughs> I know, right? (laughs) It's easy to remember, but it affects your whole digestive system. So you can, when, when it's in your gums, like you can get cankers and ulcers. Um, and then it can affect your anus. Like it can affect any part of your digestive system, but the most common places like your, um, 
terminal ileum or your small intestine, that's where my diagnosis is. But um, so there's Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis that fall under inflammatory bowel disease. And Crohn's disease is the gum to bum, can affect any part. Ulcerative colitis just affects the colon and it's an autoimmune disease. So they have no idea what triggers it, what causes it, but it's basically your body fighting your digestive system. Mm -hmm. It gets basic, like in, uh, to sum it up, your body hates your (laughs) digestive system. Yeah. And like, it like thinks it's like a foreign body. Exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Overdrive. And Mm -hmm. it's like, if, if you get sick, well, your body kind of comes in, it fights for you. And then hopefully you get better. But with some of these, um, diagnoses, like there's nothing wrong with you, but your body is like a little bit confused and your immune system is like, I'm going to fight you and save you. But really it's not fighting you and saving you. It's actually causing a lot of harm. Exactly. So that's IBD. IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. It's not a disease. It doesn't do any harm to your digestive system. Like you can't see any harm. There's no um, ulcers or obstructions or fissures. It is a functional gastrointestinal issue. So it's just your, your intestines just have a little bit of fun. If you want to say they go really fast sometimes if you have diarrhea or they're just really slow and you have constipation, but irritable bowel syndrome, a lot of the times doctors will say, Oh, it's just IBS, but it's not just IBS. IBS affects a lot of people in a lot of, um, really negative ways. Like it's not a fun it's not a fun diagnosis to have because yeah, it's just not fun to have to have gut issues. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not fun. If you go to a doctor and you kind of open up about something that might make you feel a certain way and they tell you, Oh, it's just IBS. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Doctors say, it's just period cramps. You're okay. Exactly. I don't know what's going on in my body. This is not just IBS. Yeah. And there's definitely ways that you can heal your IBS and there's ways that you can manage it. So when you're just told like, oh, it's just IBS, like take a modium. No. (laughs) It's just putting a bandaid on it. We got a clean wound. We got to give it some love so that healing can happen. (laughs) You know, since starting the Gut Gazette, you've obviously shared your stories. You've connected with other bloggers and you've also opened the stage to have experts on and other people come and share their stories. What do you think has been the most impactful thing you've been able to witness by growing this community and kind of opening up these conversations with regards to gut health? I think that my favorite thing about the Gut Gazette is the community aspect of it and just seeing people have these realizations or hearing people's stories and knowing that they're not alone or connecting with other women or men. I mean, I say women because it's primarily women, my audience, but there's men as well. And just having that connection, you know, I want that platform where people can connect and, and talk about their gut issues in a safe place. Or, you know, if they see somebody who's shared their story or posted about something that I've shared, whatnot, vice versa, I want them to feel comfortable and connecting with them however they want, whether it's like a DM on Instagram or Mm -hmm. just asking a question. Like it's just, I just want it to be a really safe space. It's something that I wish I had when I was in my early stages of my diagnosis and I didn't, but I created it. I, I created the gut gazette, but I also 
was involved in person. I had started a digestive disorder support group at university, and that's really what got me excited about the fact that community is so important and talking about anything, you know, it's whether it's something exciting or something not Mm -hmm. exciting, like gut issues. If you have diarrhea all the time, like connect with someone who has (laughs) diarrhea all the time. They'll understand. (laughs) They actually will. And they'll probably also appreciate really good quality toilet paper for anyone who's ever had like a bout of diarrhea or struggles daily. Like you really appreciate good quality toilet paper, right? And a bidet. Bidets are underrated. I experienced them for the first time when I went to Japan. Oh, remember when we could travel? And there's like, there's bidets in every every bathroom even the subway station bathrooms have bidets and i'm just oh my god life this is life everyone is walking around with a skip in their step because (laughs) everyone has a clean tush everyone has a clean happy tush even for a short period of time and i was like we got to bring this over to canada yeah well you can get them like on amazon for 30 dollars and install it on your toilet (laughs) okay i'm serious you have to do it it's it's awesome (laughs) Okay, I have been dying to ask you about bathroom anxiety since we started this conversation. What is it? Why should we care? And what are some things we can do to maybe get a little bit more, uh, I don't know, in control of our bathroom anxiety? Yes, thank you. I'm I'm very passionate about this topic because whenever I bring it up, people are like, oh my gosh, I have this. Or people will say, I didn't know about that. And I say, I, I, I think that everybody who has a digestive issue at some point or another has bathroom anxiety and bathroom anxiety is when you are so nervous that you won't be able to find the next toilet or the next bathroom. And that's something I have dealt with over the past 11 years. Um, it was really bad early on. It's, it's a lot better now, but it's, it's so debil. It can be so debilitating. And that's exactly kind of what bathroom anxiety is like, because you're so nervous that if I do eat this food, I won't be able to make it to the bathroom. Or what if I have an accident? Like there's just so many anxieties that go through your mind with bathroom anxiety. So for example, for me in university and in high school, I would never take public transportation. Like I would never take it because I wasn't in control of it. How would I know if the subway wasn't going to get um, stopped for a while? Or what if I didn't make it off of the bus in time? Um, I wouldn't take a, like, I wouldn't be a passenger in someone else's car. I had to be the driver because it was like, I needed to know, okay, I can kind of feel it coming. I will get off the next exit and go to the bathroom. Um, I wouldn't go on any type of like school trip in high school. Uh, I'm just trying to think of all the things I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go to certain parties. Like I missed out on a lot because I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to get to a bathroom. Um, And ever since talking about this, uh, it's just really opened up a whole other world of people who have it. And ever since I have brought it up, people are like, oh my gosh, I have that. And, you know, it's something that a lot of people deal with and people don't talk about it. Like I never heard about bathroom anxiety until I don't even really know how I came across it. I think I just started talking about it and yeah, it's crazy. Like anyway, what I did, um, 
I'm rambling, but (laughs) what I, okay. What I did, uh, is I actually saw a therapist for a few years to kind of get this anxiety under control. Cause it, it is an anxiety. So doing cognitive behavioral therapy and just kind of going through situations to see like, okay, well, if I really did shit my pants, would it be the worst thing, you know, and kind of going through that and figuring out different coping mechanisms that work for me. And there, there, there've been a couple that I've really worked with and figured out. Yeah. I imagine like right away, I'm like, okay, if I had If I had bathroom anxiety, I would probably always have an extra pair of like underwear and pants in my car just to like appease my fear of shitting my pants and then planning out bathroom stops. Like let's say you're going on a road trip, kind of like if you had an electric car and you needed to charge it every whatever hundred couple of kilometers, I feel like if you have bathroom anxiety, like plan out the bathroom stops, which if you're listening to this and you're like, that's me, the past year has probably been so challenging because I know in lockdown throughout the pandemic, most public bathrooms are no longer accessible. And mm-hmm. um, I don't struggle with IBS, but I have a very small bladder. And so I need to pee all of the time. And in the past year, because of the pandemic and because of not having access to bathrooms at coffee shops or bathrooms at gas stations or bathrooms anywhere, I have gone pee in a plastic cup in the backseat of the car probably half a dozen times. And it's one thing to pee in a cup, but if you're someone (laughs) who has IBS or IBD, it's a whole different thing if you literally need to go number two. So I could only imagine that level of anxiety that comes about when you don't know where the next bathroom is going to be. Exactly. And you know, actually, if you're listening to this and you do have this um, issue, and you don't know about it yet, you can actually get a um, emergency washroom card if you have a uh, digestive disease. So you can't be denied the bathroom, even if it's closed. Like, for example, if you go to in, if it, it's, if it was normal world yeah. and not COVID, sometimes you'd go into a retail store and they wouldn't let you use their bathroom, mm-hmm. right? It'd just be staff only. Well, if you have a digestive disease and you present this card, like they can't deny you. Um, so it's something to look into. I can send you the link so that, uh, you can put it in your notes. I would love that. That's, that's mm-hmm. super helpful information. Cause like you said, IBS is pretty common, right? Like it's not oh, yeah. that talked about, but a lot of people might be struggling with this diagnosed or undiagnosed. And like, my hope is that if you're listening to this, like, and you're like, I think this might be me, like take it upon yourself to kind of make that appointment with your physician, or I don't even know how that works. Is it a physician? Is it a yeah, I don't. Yeah. But it's just like, be, be your best advocate. And sometimes that means really kind of standing tall and standing strong and using mm-hmm. your voice, which I understand is so challenging sometimes, especially if you don't have a supportive physician, but you deserve to live like a beautiful full life. And if gut health is one of those things that's slowing you down and stopping you from living a vibrant, energetic, incredible life, maybe there's a way to kind of like tap into a a higher quality life by speaking to someone or even just reading the gut gazette so you don't feel so isolated if you are struggling with some of these symptoms. Yeah. And thanks for saying that too, Chloe, about advocating for yourself, because that's super important to me, but also it's a big pillar in the gut gazette is 
advocating for, for yourself because there's so many times where you will just be given a diagnosis. You'll be given like a few things to deal with it, but you're still struggling. And if you are still struggling and your doctor's not dealing with it, how you'd like to be like, um, like it to be dealt with. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's almost like sometimes, sometimes go to another just, doctor. Yeah. And like, yeah. I hate to say that, but there are not every person is going to, you know, how there's like the different love languages and relationships and everyone has a different love language that they like. I feel like that's kind of like, if you're looking for a new therapist or you're looking for a new physician, like they could be a great doctor or a great therapist, but maybe they just don't vibe with your personality or exactly. your communication style is not quite what works best for you. And it's kind of awkward to leave and find a new one. And sometimes, yeah, it takes a lot more energy and effort to find a new physician or therapist or whatever it is, but it's so worth it because like health mm-hmm. is the foundation to everything, whether it's gut health, like we're talking today, or your mental health or your physical health or the health of your environment, like all of this is so important and it's worth putting a little extra affection, attention and care into. Mm -hmm. I did that. I had to seek out another gastroenterologist. I mentioned before my previous GI, who I was not a fan of, um, who told me to Google Crohn's (laughs) disease. I was with him for, I think, five or six years. And finally he just wasn't giving me the time of day and I switched GIs. I'm now with a really great one. And the first appointment I had with him, I found out that I was on the wrong medication for five years. So it's, it's really, if you don't have a good gut feeling about who you're dealing with, Mm -hmm. like take that step because I didn't, I didn't like this person. I should have probably left earlier than I did, but yeah, for anyone out there who doesn't feel good with the, the doctor they're with, like you are your own advocate in everything. So go make an appointment with your with your family doctor to find a new specialist. But if it's your family doctor you're having issues with, like take it upon yourself to research a new one. You're not stuck to this doctor. Yes. Use your voice, everyone. Use your voice. Yes. <laughs> What, how has your relationship to food and your body kind of changed over the years as you've come to terms with your diagnosis and learned to live with it? Mm -hmm. Well, at the beginning of my diagnosis, I actually also was struggling with an eating disorder that I, that I didn't really realize I had until a couple years into my Crohn's disease diagnosis. Um, And it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. I don't know if it came before my gut issues or after, because, you know, like food is essential to living obviously, but when you eat and everything goes through you, it just creates such a bad relationship or, or you just, you just have this really bad relationship with it. And that's what I had with food. Um, so again, I'm not really sure what caused that, but um, in the early years of my Crohn's disease, food definitely was kind of an enemy because nothing, nothing really did feel good for what I ate. And I was so restrictive with what I ate because I just didn't know, like, will this cause me to flare up? Will this trigger, trigger a flare up? And I guess it's just been trial and error over the years and just getting my gut healthy again for me to really have a good relationship with food. And then of course I am proud to be recovered from anorexia and, uh, 
I don't have that negative relationship with food anymore. And now when I do have any issues with a certain food or it causes a flare up, I'm kind of like, okay, well that happened. I don't, I don't have such a negative feeling towards it. Like Mm -hmm. I used to, I mean, but I mean, everyone's so different. And for me, gluten-free has been really helpful. Like I avoid gluten because if I eat it, it doesn't make me feel good. Other people who have Crohn's or colitis can eat gluten and they're fine. It's just, it's very, it's very uh, different for everyone. Yeah. You have been through a lot, eh? And look at you now. And I'm sure I, I did moments, go through a lot. Like you're human, but like you really have been through so, so much. And I really like appreciate you sharing so much of your story in such an honest way on this podcast. And like, especially what you just said now, like how, you know, gluten-free works well for you and it might not work well for everyone. And I think that's so important. I know when I was doing my, my health coaching certification, that was one of the biggest takeaways was like, everyone is unique. So Mm -hmm. like whatever the latest healthy trend is like, take it with a grain of salt. Like it might Mm -hmm. work great for you, but it might not like sometimes what's traditionally like healthy foods, like for example, kale, there was a moment where like, I, if I ate kale, like I immediately looked six months pregnant and I was like, but this is so healthy. Like what is going on? And it's just like, you know what? My body and kale, not friends. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I feel like that we all have to become really curious about what works well for us. And it's just kind of raising the volume on the awareness of like, what happens when you eat a certain food? Are you energized after? Are you satiated? Are you starving? Are you bloated? Are you lethargic? Are you, you know what I mean? It's like, let's just get really curious about our bodies. And the more curious we can be, the more data we can collect and the better kind of informed choices we can make uh, about ourselves and our bodies. And also the more empowered you feel. Cause you're like, I know my body. Like I know Mm -hmm. my body. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so important to be able to know what foods make you feel good. And I love that you said kale because yeah, if I eat raw kale, it's like, Oh, my stomach does not feel good after that. Even like I'm, well, I'll give a good example of my mom. She can't have avocados or flaxseed. Like those are really two good superfoods. They make her really sick. So, you know, like if you think that, oh, flax is so good, I have to put in my smoothie, but I don't really feel good. Like, listen to your body. <laughs> it's probably not good for you. Like, our bodies are always trying to, like, send us signals and sometimes mm-hmm. we just are not listening. Okay, the yeah. last thing I want to talk to you about, because I know you've got, like, a one-year-old um, somewhere in the vicinity being super cute and quiet right now is this idea of bathroom anxiety and having to go to the bathroom. And even for everyone who's listening, who maybe doesn't struggle with IBS or IBD, but we all go poop. I hope sometimes kind of delving into like the relationship world with pooping can also bring up little forms and little minor anxieties. Um, I know for me, when I started dating my, my current partner, I would bring those like little cute drops because anytime we'd like go away for a weekend, I was like, what if I have a shit in like a small hotel room and it just smells up the whole place. Like even though like we shouldn't be ashamed of that, but at the same time, like smelly poop is a smelly poop. And so I used to like bring these drops. I used to try to time my poops. Like when I'd be in the shower, so there would be like ample time to ventilate, but like, let's be real. It's not always the case. So like <laughs> for you, like any tips on that? Like, should we just get it out in the open? Like, Hey, you poop, I poop. Let's do this. Yeah. Well, that's one thing that I'm really passionate about is 
making digestive issues and poop less ugly, like removing the poo taboo, everybody poops. Like, (laughs) why do we have it in our heads that it's such a bad thing, right? I don't know if it's women too, where we're like, if we're in a relationship, just like we don't want to poop or fart, but like, come on, it's, it's part of, it's part of being a human, right? Yeah. But I do understand that um, I had that anxiety too when I first started dating my now husband and just in previous relationships as well. Um, but yeah, just to drop those those essential oils that you drop in the toilet. I actually make them as well. I call them eau de toilet. I'll send you one. And um, I think those are great. But also, yeah, to just be open about it because if your partner or whoever you're in a relationship with at at the time isn't comfortable with the fact that you're, you know, having a couple farts in the bathroom, smelling up the bathroom, like maybe that's not the right person to be with, right? (laughs) Like you want to be comfortable. (laughs) It might be a red flag. And also like, imagine we didn't, like that would be so concerning. Like Mm -hmm. we, we like, hold so much like shame and guilt sometimes with like needing to go to the bathroom and it's yeah this is a healthy bodily process like it needs to happen it would be very concerning if we just ate and ate and ate and nothing came out yeah and it also doesn't feel good if you hold it in right so I mean I remember early on in my relationship with my husband I would you know like hold in my farts my stomach would get so bloated and I'd look like six months pregnant. And then also I would like bung myself up with modium so that I didn't have to worry about going oh. to the bathroom. And, you know, like it, it didn't feel good. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I said at the beginning, you should be comfortable in, in speaking yeah. to your significant other. But this was 10 years ago when I was still in the depths of it. <laughs> yeah. That- so it, it's true, though, like. We all have those anxiety moments when it comes to poop, but just getting it off out on the table. And if you're not comfortable with it yet, then yeah, get those drops. Those are great. Matches are great. I don't know if matches are that good for the environment, but they're great. Flushing while you're pooping at the same time. That's a really, really good trick. trick. That's a really good trick. Mm -hmm. Especially if like you're going to be in there a long time, like you got, you know, yeah. I don't want to feel too ill either. Oh my exactly. God. I, I could talk about poop forever. I mean, it's a good thing. And the last thing I want to ask you is like, what's the one thing you want people to kind of know when it comes to gut health? Like if someone is lucky enough, like, let's say for me, I don't have IBS, I don't have IBD, but then I might have someone in my life who does struggle um, with some type of gut health issue. Like what's something that we can all kind of like keep in mind to like, be kind and be empathetic and be supportive. Cause obviously like, I will never know what it's like to have Crohn's or to have IBS. I can empathize surely, but at the same time, I don't know firsthand kind of like what it's like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you said it, be kind. And to just, I mean, there is no normal in life. Everyone has their own issue or their own experiences, but just to treat everyone the same. Like if you have a gut issue and you're pooping 10 times a day, it doesn't make you any different from another person. Uh, But I think that one thing I really want to get across is if you know someone who does have a gut issue, they're really struggling and they don't have a good relationship with their doctor is to motivate them or encourage them to seek out another 
specialist or another doctor because as hard as it is to become in remission or to get into remission, it, it, it can be possible. And if it, if it isn't possible, there's ways to heal or treat yourself with certain medications. And if, if your doctor is just not providing that support, then you need someone who will be on your team 100% supporting you. Yes. Use your voice. Have and to just be open, down. just to be open. Yeah. Just to be open about yeah. it and, you know, to let them know if you ever want to talk about your gut issues, like I'm like really open to hearing about them because sometimes you just need to be able to talk about your poop issues with someone else and feel heard. Megan, you're just out here breaking the poo taboo one conversation at a time. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping. <laughs> I love it. And I, like you said, you talk about poop all day. I literally talk about it all day with the Gut Gazette. And I just love being able to talk about something that is so taboo in society. <laughs> yes. Oh, and the 14-year-old the version of you would be so stoked at what you're doing. So oh, I, I hope feel so, like yeah. she'd, be, she'd be real <laughs> proud. Megan, thank you so much. This was awesome. We'll make sure to put all the information down below. Go check out the Gut Gazette. Use your voice. Map out your bathroom breaks. Go change your doctor if you're not happy and break the poo taboo, my friends. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, that was fun. And just like that, another episode of the Healthy is Hot podcast. Once again, I am your host with clearly no filter, Chloe Wild. And if you enjoyed this conversation, feel free to subscribe so you never miss out because that sucks. Feel free to rate and leave us a comment. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Healthy is Hot. And my friends, remember, healthy is fucking beautiful. I'll see you next week.